Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. Uh, and today, uh, this is your host, Alex, by the way. And today, I have once again convinced one of my team members here at Beacons Point to join me on the show. And uh, today, I have Sabina Han, who Sabina is, uh, you know, has been a team member here for almost two years now, which is kind of hard to believe that time has gone by that quickly. It's hard to remember time before Sabina, but, um, you know, she has, you know, a background of advertising, background of marketing, background of journalism, and, you know, a core part of what we do here at Beacon Points create content. And we create content for highly complex industries, you know, things that, you know, people spend in a career to become an expert in. And it's hard to create original, you know, thoughtful, valuable content, you know, without having that experience. So part of that process is we interview subject matter experts, usually at the company or firm or with partners um, to do that. And, And a soft skill that we don't you don't learn in in school unless you go to journalism school as marketers as business you don't learn how to interview people in sales you learn how to ask questions to discover the gaps in their you know gaps in whatever you're trying to sell so so you can find a way to provide value but in terms of interviewing asking questions and getting information from your subject matter experts you don't you don't get taught that you have to kind of figure it out and so we created a webinar. Um, it was back in April, and it was really around how to the do's and don'ts of conducting content interviews. And today's conversation with Sabina kind of you know just continues that conversation about uh, how to conduct interviews, some things you should be thinking of. Um, you know, we talk about you know the importance of you know asking the right questions, doing some prep. Uh, maybe an order you should go in, and then she gives some tips there at the end, you know, for people that are thinking about starting this process, um, starting this process up. So enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Mead. And a few weeks ago, we had on two team members from Beacons Point and we had so much fun and thought it was such a great episode that we're doing it again. So, Sabina, welcome, welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Sabina Hahn. I am the content manager at Beacons Point. I have been here since August of 2019. Permanent team member since December 2019. So. This is this will be my second my second year in December, which is crazy. Wow, uh, that is actually crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I I I feel like twenty twenty like has kind of like been erased from my memory. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, you just started. Yeah, twenty twenty <laughs> just is started our last a couple year. months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Feels but, like it. Uh, I've been Sabina, we are longer longer than working in the office. When you put it that way, that is, that is, uh, that's an interesting perspective of time mm-hmm. because I think, uh, I've, I mean, like we have team members I've only met, I have never met or met like once or twice. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's interesting. So what, which do you like better? I know this is not what we're talking about today, but it's kind of interesting from a, from a, you know, team member perspective 
do you like being at home or did you like having to talk to Max every day in real life? <laughs> um, I think there's benefits to both of them. Like I like the flexibility of being at home a, because I do not like getting up early. So now I, that kind of is eliminated so I can just roll out and do some very minimal maintenance stuff. Uh, and then I'll be at work, but I really liked the office because I could see everybody. You could just talk to them in real time instead of like waiting for a Slack response. And yeah, it was fun sharing an office with Max and just having someone to like stay, say stupid stuff to like, <laughs> between tasks. So I definitely miss it, but there's, there's, there's benefits to both yeah. of them. Yeah. I think I'm on the same page. Yeah. I miss, uh, I miss the interactions that aren't planned, but, yeah. um, I, for better or worse, I think I start earlier and work later than I did what I did in the office. So yeah. maybe work that's a pro, balance. maybe that's a con. Work-life balance is like next to null. <laughs> yeah. At least my yeah. End. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've noticed that as well. Well, that that's a different topic from a, for a different yeah. day, I think. Um, what what I want to talk about today, and you know, this the reason why you're here is because it was one of your ideas, one of your fantastic <laughs> ideas uh, to host a webinar, really on how to ask questions and how to run, conduct interviews, because a, a large part of of our content process and and content, a process we recommend for people is, is, a, is heavily relied upon interviews. So maybe start with why, uh, why, what do you know about interviews? Like, did you go to, were you a journalist? Did you go to school for, for journalism? Like, how did you, how would like question, how did interviews in questions, like, how did you become somewhat of an expert on this? I definitely would not call myself an expert, but um, this is going to sound funny because I am still relatively new to the workforce and then I guess young, comparatively speaking, but I started in high school my junior year, I think. I joined um, our yearbook slash newspaper team um, and I interviewed for both the yearbook and the newspaper because we had to um, contribute to both sides of that. So we learned a lot about like the journalism code of ethics and like how to uh, ask good questions, especially to high school students who want absolutely nothing to do with you. Um, <laughs> so I got a lot of skills uh, or experience there. And then my senior year of high school, I was the co-editor in chief of our newspaper and um, we actually launched the digital version of our newspaper my final year. So that was really cool. Um, and then in college, I went to school for public relations and advertising. And public relations is really similar to journalism, just in the questions you have to ask and the type of writing and the type of grammar and all of that stuff. So uh, started in high school and then just built on those when I went to, went to, when I went to college. What was your high school paper's name? Uh, the Crimson. <laughs> the Crimson. The Crimson. Uh, that's good. That, yeah. I, I like that. It's like, we, it's I like didn't come uh, up with it. very we ominous. Just, we inherited it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I still have That's good. Uh, I still have copies in I think it's there in my office. I have like a stack of copies and we really thought we were doing something with the design. We were not. <laughs> we thought we were. You know what? Uh, that, that goes for everything you do. When you look back, even like a year or two later, you're like, why, why, why did we do that? Why, why did we think that was the best thing we've ever done? Um, but at the time it was, you know? Yeah. To get into college, part of the application process was like a what they called a creative resume. I literally put a cutout <laughs> of myself in the middle of my resume. I think it was like a picture that I took at like homecoming or something. So it had like my skills and my like job experience on the side. And I was just in the middle, cutout version of me. I was like, who, who let me into college with this? Who thought this was a good idea? They're like, yep, we want her in our program. Just cut out on the resume. That's that's yeah. the kind of innovative thinking we need here at Chapman University. Well, obviously it worked. <laughs> obviously. I think someone took pity on me. They were like, yep, just let her through. <laughs> She's not going anywhere else. Let's get her in. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Of course. No, I mean you stood out. I bet nobody else nobody else's uh nobody else's uh looked like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It was a really bad cutout too. Like it wasn't, it wasn't my best work, but you know, that's okay. We're here now. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, let's fast forward to uh, your time here at Beacons Point and, and your experience interviewing, asking questions, gathering information as part of our content process. Like, tell me, tell me like the, maybe like the first time you realized the importance of, of this skill set. Yeah, I think when I came to BP, we were still like nailing down our exact process. Like you guys had a very good framework. And then when I came aboard, we were kind of in the the finessing stage of it. So solidifying the the timeline and all of the different steps and the processes. Um, so I think I realized pretty early on that it was super integral to the process because we had clients and industries that I didn't even know existed pre-BP. Um, so just watching Max, our content strategist, come up with outlines and interview people and sitting in on the workshop calls and the audio shoots when I was still on all of those calls, I think I realized that it was super important because uh, we don't necessarily come into it with the knowledge of computer vision or terminal logistics software, any of that stuff. So being able to sit down and talk to people who have that skill set in order to create content, that's that you can't do it without without that base level knowledge. So I I figured it out pretty early on and I thought it was a really interesting way to create content for marketing, because obviously with journalism writing, it's a very tried and true process. But then once you get into advertising, it's more like copywriting and like what's going to sell and like what is that punchy line, you know, that's going to like hook someone's attention. But then you have to kind of go back to basics and say, okay, well, if we're trying to be helpful, we need more than just a couple like zingy one liners. We need to fully understand what's happening here so we don't sound like for lack of a better word, morons when we try to explain it or talk about it. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's interesting because 
marketing one-liners and zingers are good to sell Doritos and Pepsi, mm-hmm. but not sell landside shipping logistics enterprise software for uh, freight shipment and rail yard logistics. Yeah, and exactly. uh, you said something else that uh, is kind of interesting and I think kind of gets to the core of why asking questions and interviewing is so important. But if we create content that's more journalistic in nature, that's providing more uh, of like a, an original idea or original opinion, that's going to be more helpful to the end user, which is our client customers, um, which will become more trusted. So crossing that line of making it more journalistic with like a tinge of marketing flair, maybe we'll say, maybe some fancy graphics and some, you know, a lot of the technical things of links, but but that idea that it should be more helpful versus copywritten, you know, more journalistic than produced. Yeah, it definitely needs to be more authentic than what I would um, like characterize as like B2C marketing content or advertising content. And I think that's a huge reason why I've loved my time here is because in college, I kind of had this, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe it, kind of um, (laughs) an issue with the industry. You know, I was kind of, I really enjoyed like the copywriting and the big ideas and the, the brainstorming, all of the fun that goes into an advertising campaign. But then at the end of the day, you kind of have to sit and you say, well, what am I like, what am I really doing here? You know, like I'm selling hot dogs. For example, when I was in like my senior year, we did a whole campaign (laughs) on Wiener Schnitzel and hot dogs. It's like, okay, we're selling uh, meat tubes. Like, that's great. (laughs) You know, what, what difference am I making here? So coming here and realizing it was more authentic and you could be in the industry without being like just total like suckers was was good you you uh didn't want to sell cholesterol to people <laughs> in those hot dogs oh a hundred percent heart attacks yeah yeah 100 the whole yeah. thing about the project was like okay what can we stray away from the nastiness <laughs> that is a hot dog like every time we talked to someone we were like do you know what's in a hot dog they were like oh no i don't want to know like I did. It's a guilty pleasure. I go to Costco. I pay a dollar. Like I don't. Yes. I don't want to go beyond that. So those might be my favorite hot dogs. Just a side conversation. The Costco mm-hmm. hot dogs. I don't know why they are just delicious. I almost every time I go to Costco, I get one. Yeah, I don't even like hot dogs, but like if someone else orders one, I'm definitely going to ask to like yeah. have a bite of it. So as a complete side note, my dad <laughs> loved going to Wiener Central. And yeah. my mom hated it. Uh, my wife, Mary Beth, is like repulsed by the idea of a restaurant that sells hot dogs and chili. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I've actually, I think I've been to Wiener Central once, but this is off topic, way off topic. Well, if you want like uh, atomic indigestion, <laughs> go to Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, I'm going to ask you some stuff about questions. Okay. How meta. An interview about interviews. I know. All right, Sabine, I'm going to ask you some questions about asking questions. And uh, I don't want a passing. I don't want you to grade these. I don't want you to say they're good or bad or if I could have done better because no, I'm not gonna grade uh, you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need an assessment of how I ask questions. But 
Why don't you run through some of the do's and don'ts when you're conducting an interview uh, to create some content? Like what are the things people should be thinking about uh, when they go through this process? Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep it pretty high level here just so we uh, don't go too in depth and bore people. But um, a couple of the main ones are, I would say, doing your pre-interview homework. Um, you don't want to walk into an interview and not having or not having done any research about the person you're talking to, because it'll send a, a clear signal that you don't really care about it. Even if you do care about it, it sends a signal like I don't I don't care about what you do, who you are like, let's let's get it done in one sitting. I didn't want to put the effort in, um, even if that's not your intention. That's kind of how it comes across, especially for a more content related interview. Um, so do your homework, you know, know their name, where they work, what industry they're in, like kind of the gist of what they do. And then another one in the same vein is prepare a list of questions. So you have something to work off of once you get there, you know, and don't just like fly by the seat of your pants because it'll probably be a little awkward. First of all, uh, just kind of scrambling on the in the moment, trying to come up with a list of things to say. So have a list prepared, you know, it'll help guide the conversation. And if you're creating content, this list of questions um, should mimic like the sections of content that you wanna touch on in the blog or the pillar page or whatever. So it'll be the framework for what you'll then go off of later on. Um, but on the other side of that, like don't be afraid to go off script and ask them questions that you maybe didn't have written down. Um, you know, ask follow-up questions and explore. Talk to me about the follow-up questions because I think my experience hosting this podcast and I do usually come up with a list of questions and I try to send them, you know, to the guest. Mm -hmm. But I think the best conversations are the side questions. So how do you how do you know when to ask like a side question or to, you know, based on what you hear, ask a follow-up? How do you, what do you look for? Like, how do you go about that? Yeah. So for uh, follow, that's a great follow-up question about a follow-up question, Alex. Um, but to, uh, to ask follow-up questions or what we call like follow-ups on the fly, um, a couple ways to do that is if say you're talking about a technical concept and you, they mentioned like a, jargon or a word that you don't necessarily understand, um, ask them to elaborate. You know, it's, uh, it's important to have a base level understanding for yourself and then also have a base level understanding for like, if you're outsourcing your content, have a base for the writer and then have a base for the audience if need be. So ask them to elaborate. Um, like, can you tell me more about this? What do you mean by that? Uh, things like that. And those are really low impact um, follow-up questions. And then another, <clears throat> another thing you can do is if you ask a question and the person doesn't necessarily understand what you were trying to get at, you ask that question in another way. Um, so that's good for like misunderstandings when you don't necessarily want to be like, oh no, that's not what I meant. Instead, just rephrase. So like maybe you ask them like, what challenges do you face day to day? And they didn't really understand. So you say like, what's, what are the biggest pains uh, you face like in your role or in your job? Um, so just kind of rephrase and that'll probably help them 
uh, give you more of the answer you were looking for. So, and then the final one is asking about a related topic. So this is really good for many, making connections in content and kind of highlighting, highlighting how topics relate to each other. Um, but you will need an existing knowledge of the industry or the concept. Um, so those kind of questions would be something like, how does topic A impact or affect topic B? Like how common is this versus this? Um, but you do want to have that general understanding. Otherwise, it would be like, how do unicorns relate to French fries? You know, it's like they don't. Um, so you have to have that base level. Talk to me. What what's what's the um, how important is the flow of questions or like the order in which you ask? Like, do you start do you start? with the big hitters first and get, get like the big stuff out of the way or what's, what's the progression that you typically recommend or that you think is a, is a good option? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so for structure, you need to kind of pay attention to two things, a, just like the flow of conversation and b the flow of the ending product that you're looking for. Um, so for the flow of conversation, you don't want to just, jump into the deep end, you know, kind of think of this as making a friend or getting to know somebody, maybe like a first date, you know, you want to ask uh, the easy questions, like, where did you grow up? And what do you do for fun? And not jump straight to like the, what are, what are your biggest regrets in life? You know, do you want to have children? What is your credit score? <laughs> you, know, you don't want to just jump in right away and freak them out. Um, or give them something really difficult right off the bat. So with technical content, that could be like, can you briefly explain this concept before you get into like the inner workings of it? Um, and again, this like primes your writer, your audience, yourself, even the person you're interviewing, because if you just lob them a really easy question, then it kind of warms them up to the process. Um, and then the other flow structure point I would pay attention to is what you want the end product to look like and what points you want to hit on within say it's a blog so kind of mimic um, the structure the end structure in your questions and kind of bring in what you think the h2s are going to be and what the sub headlines are going to be um, and kind of frame it that way so it's super easy to put together once it's done yeah what about for people that, because, uh, you know, I know we, Beacons Point, work in a lot of technical spaces. We talk to a lot of engineers. We talk to, you know, some people that are good at communicating, uh, some mm -hmm. that are not. How how do we make the people, let's just say those engineers out there that don't necessarily like to talk to people also while being recorded, mm -hmm. what do we, how do we make them feel comfortable? How do we get them to warm up to getting into, you know, allowing them to feel like they can speak easily and freely without being too nervous? Yeah. Uh, especially with engineers, you know, they're probably used to being on the back end or on the, on the lab floor and not really being interviewed by people and marketing is not really something that's at the forefront of their mind. So oftentimes we'll get someone who's like, I'm really nervous about this. I think I'm going to mess up. I think I'm going to say something wrong. Um, 
So ways you can make them comfortable is like you said, Alex, send them the list of questions ahead of time so that they have a concept of what they're going to speak on and they can kind of gather their thoughts and make notes if they really want to. Um, that will usually put them at some kind of ease. And then once you get to the interview, you know, have some light chit chat beforehand. If you know anything about them, like their family, you know, you could ask like, oh, how is your daughter doing? How is your dog? Like, what did you do this weekend? You know, just act like a person for like the first five ish minutes, I would say. Um, and then once you're getting into like the actual nitty gritty of the, the, the content, ask them those easy questions. Um, so they, they're like, oh, I know this one. Like, I'm, I'm going to smash this question, you know, give them something easy and something they want to talk about. So that when the harder questions maybe come down the line, they're less, uh, they're less likely to freak out about it. Yeah. Cause you want them to, by the time you ask like the real meat questions, you know, like what you're trying to get of, you want them to be, <laughs> forget, your, forget they're being recorded. Yeah. Essentially. Wow. I mean, I know we do. Yeah. We do a lot of ours over zoom. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we film them in person, but either way, as soon as like that recording that little, like that little red dot on zoom, or if there's cameras, people tense up a little bit. So mm -hmm. I think that, uh, I think those are good, good tips to get people to feel, uh, basically essentially forget there's a camera and just speak to the experts that they are. Yeah, exactly. Like I get uh, it. Like the recording yeah. red blip, you know, it can be a little unnerving. I even, <laughs> it freaks me out too, but yeah. Uh, I was going to say is, is someone who's in someone who I've interviewed or have been on camera with before Sabina, I do think the longer you're on, the more comfortable you get. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's get a lot it. of people. So, so speaking of recording and using these later, so mm -hmm. br briefly touch on, so we, like we said, we do this to create content. So we've kind of given people some tips of how to conduct these interviews. Mm -hmm. What do you do? How do you, how do you take this information? How do you turn it into something else? Like how do you turn it into something that yeah, so is usable for marketing? For us specifically in our process, what we will do is record the interview. Um, and like I said, structure the interview, uh, similarly to how we want the end product to look. So then we'll take the recording, we'll um, upload it to this transcription site we use called Otter AI. Um, and of course it's artificial intelligence generated. So there are gonna be some mistakes. So then we take the transcript and we send it to an editor and the editor fixes all of them, puts it into um, like some coherent English and then we will take all of those sections of information and put it into the outline that we created beforehand and worked off of for the interview. And then once that's jam-packed with all of the information, the keywords we want to target, the potential CTAs, the internal links, all of the technical SEO portions, we send that to um, the writer that we use for that client. And then that writer can use all of that information and all of the um, pre-work that we've done to put together something that is coherent and well-written. What uh, from, so a lot of people are probably thinking like, this is a lot of work to create an article. I have to think of questions. I have to interview somebody for 30 to 45 minutes. 
I have to then get it transcribed. Then I have to send it to a writer. Um, what, like in your experience, why should people do it this way? Like, is it better content? Is it less, is it like less, uh, time to get things approved because it's more accurate? Like what are, what are some of the benefits of doing it this way? Oh, there's a bunch of benefits for doing it this way. The timeline may seem longer, but I think impact to workload and bandwidth is a lot less if you do it this way. Um, one of those reasons is if you are creating technical content and say you're the marketing director for a technical company and you have a base level understanding, of course, because you work there, um, but you don't necessarily know how to explain the deeper points of different concepts, um, you will most likely rely on the engineers in your team to write that content. Um, but if you've ever worked with engineers, you know they are busy, uh, easily distracted, and aren't necessarily well-versed in uh, marketing writing. You know, they're probably used to taking notes and uh, maybe writing for like explainers or demos but not necessarily for blogs. So if you're able to get them to sit down for 45 minutes to an hour and answer all of these questions verbally, you will get all of that information in an hour that would have taken them maybe five hours to write, two weeks to get back to you. So the turnaround time is a lot faster um, and then you have more control over the end product and what it sounds and looks like. Um, and then I'm trying to think of some other benefits because I know there are some. What did I miss? <laughs> I think you got them. I mean, I think you got them. I think I think uh, I think I've noticed from from being a Beacon's Point for uh, well for a while now for for me the you know we used to submit content to clients for approval mm-hmm. before this process and there would always be feedback. Sometimes it would be more, but there would always be feedback and more significant than, um, oh, change this quote to this or, you know, like, oh, it's actually phrased this capitalized of this chemical or Mm -hmm. whatever we're trying to create. And it was more significant than that. Um, And I think with this process, there's less, a lot less feedback and changes because it's what they said and it's, it's, it's what is what their brand messaging and like the product and the actual, you know, what's going on with it. And so I think one of the benefits I've noticed is it may be a little bit more work for us on the upfront, but it's a lot less work on the back end mm-hmm. because it's, it's usually maybe like formatting issue, yeah. not, not, not content changes. Maybe like we need to change someone's name or something, you know, but it's, it's really minor changes. And I think that's one of the big benefits that I've seen is we we are creating better content for our clients and they are seeing that as well. Yeah, 100%. We've gotten a lot of feedback, um, especially recently with some of our newer clients, uh, that more of our legacy clients who we've worked with for a long time and we understand what they do, but um, especially for our newer ones where we have what we call our like 100 day process, where we pump mm-hmm. out a bunch of content in 100 days after our engagement, uh, you know, working with clients, uh, we'll deliver a piece and they'll come back and say, you know, you really understand what we're doing here. 
And that's crazy because we've only been working for you or working with you for maybe a month and you, you get it. You know, we've never had an agency understand what we're doing to this level. And it's, it's just because we're asking the right questions um, and getting all of the information that exists in their organization and putting it on a screen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's close it out here. I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you one final question and okay. this is total hot mic. So this cannot be cut out. Um, <laughs> it's not that, it's not that deep of a question, but okay. if, if, so if we have a marketer listening who is thinking like, I love this idea, but how do I even get started? Like, what would you tell a marketing manager or director of marketing out there that says like, I like this idea. How do I get started doing these types of interviews? Uh, first of all, don't panic. Uh, it's not going to be super high risk, you know, like, if you do one and it's absolutely terrible, no one ever has to see it. You know, it's all about practice. So A, don't panic. Um, be smart or well, start small. Um, so maybe put together one outline as a test drive. You know, maybe it's um, a question that you guys always get. Or if you're uh, prospecting and warming leads up, like if there's a question that everybody always asks and there's an opportunity to go deeper on the topic, you know, put together a really simple outline, um, covering all of the different questions that come out of that main core question, um, and start getting feedback from your team. And a big part of content creation for us, I know is putting together buyer personas. So you know, the pain points of your audience and you know what you're uh, trying to solve at the end of the day. So that's super helpful. But I know that process is a whole nother thing in itself and can be super intimidating for small teams or people starting out. So um, without even going into that portion, I would go off of the things you know to be true about your audience and the questions they ask and the things you see all the time and create content around those because that is a really good way to know the pain points without going through the formalized process of buyer personas. So creating content around yeah. those things that you know to be true is going to be really helpful. And starting off small, don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, scale when you feel the time is right. All those good things. <laughs> and don't forget to press record. Yes, that is a huge Maybe that should be one. a big that one. Is a huge one. <laughs> That's a... Have you... Press record, yeah. B, don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the two things. Press record, don't panic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think what you said is a worst case scenario is you you don't use it and you've spent 30 minutes talking mm -hmm. to somebody. I mean, minimum, you got a better understanding about something. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, is I think maybe like one of those uh, you know, conducting interviews is twofold. We're getting good content to create an article Mm -hmm. But us as the people interviewing are getting a better understanding of their products and services to come up with better ideas for content that, so when, you know, that makes us look like we, uh, we ha get a quick understanding of their products and services because we're just asking questions. And I mm -hmm. like to think we're smart people. Um, most of us at least yeah, are smart people on the team. Might but, myself from that list, but everybody else. Is nope. Smart. Nope. <laughs> 
See, I was going to say, you might be the only one on the list. Uh, <laughs> no. no, I'm just kidding. Everybody else is being spoiled. I'm sorry. That was a joke. Uh, but okay. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you've given some great tips, some great information here. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about this, we did do a, a we have a recorded webinar on our website at beaconspoint.com. I think under the website or the webinars tab, uh, you can find more uh, of this full webinar that Sabina ran. Uh, and we, we should have an article up by this, by the time this podcast goes out, maybe. Fingers so check the, check the blog too. Yeah. Any parting words besides press record? Hmm. Yeah. Don't press record and don't freak out. Like it's going to be rough. It will be. Interviewing yeah. is awkward for everybody involved while you're still getting used <laughs> to it. You know, like this, I'm sure the person listening to this is like, oh, well, she messed up. You know, it happens. We're all people. So don't forget yeah. to be human. <laughs> don't give yourself too hard of a time, you know. It'll, it'll get better as you go. And it's just a conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. just a conversation. A very strategic conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Sabina, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> That's our show for today. Uh, I want to thank Sabina for taking some time out to talk with me and really kind of, uh, you know, explore a little bit more about, you know, interviews, questions you should ask, how you should go about it. Uh, you can check out our website at beaconspoint.com. You know, in the in the webinars tab on the resources, uh, you can find a recording of the webinar. You can also find some, you know, links on our blog uh, about some other content marketing and buyer persona content tips and information. So please check that out. And if you enjoyed this show, uh, you know, I would I would really appreciate it if you gave a review on Apple uh, on Apple on Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, and also give us a subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, and or on our website under the B two B Growth Marketer Podcast. So thanks everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show and tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the B two B Growth Marketer Podcast, hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B two B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video-first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. Thanks for listening. See you next time.